Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, certified religious transition and trauma recovery coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Well, and that kind of brings us back to the idea of two individuals creating that third entity, that one plus one equals three, mm-hmm. which is I learn to listen to my emotions and label them and be able to understand what messages they're giving me. Like I develop emotional intelligence, the ability to sit with my emotions, process them and learn how to communicate them. And together, both of us do that work for ourselves mm-hmm. and we come to one another to communicate, to actively listen, to create a space of curiosity and non-judgment, a place where we're accountable for our part. Um, When someone is telling us how maybe our actions or words have affected them, like we can be accountable and also expect the other person to be accountable. And like, we create this sense of, you know, you're safe here. Like, I'm not going to share this or triangulate with somebody outside of this relationship. This is our work to do together, but we, we do that from doing our own work and then being able to collaborate together to find a win-win. And I think that's really what's important here is, you know, interdependence is going to look different for all of us, depending on what feels like a win-win for both of us, because Mm -hmm. there are couples that are withdrawer, withdrawer and couples Mm -hmm. that are pursuer, pursuer. And so what we need from each other is going to be different. Right. Right. Well, and you know, like I was working with one of, one of my couples the other night and, and she kept saying, I'm not feeling heard. I'm not feeling heard. And so, so I, I had him, you know, turn to his wife and, and, you know, check in with her and try to, you know, communicate to her that, you know, he understood or he, you know, he was with her and and what she was going through. And, you know, he, so he, he said some really nice things. He, he spoke to her, you know, and, and I, I felt like a, a a good and productive and healthy way. But then I turned to her and I said, how does that feel for you? You know, does that, does that feel like he better understands? Because I wasn't going to make the assumption that, that what he was saying or how he was saying was quote unquote, right. Because or meeting her need. Yeah. Or meeting her need because I'm not, in her shoes. I, I don't know if, if that's resonating with her or not, you know? And, and, and sometimes when I do that with my couples, you know, the person's like, yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't buy it. Or, you know, they, they just don't believe it or, or it feels forced or it feels uncomfortable or it's like, yeah, spot on, you know, you, you, you hit it on the, you know, you hit it on the nail. And so, so that that's, that's what we always have to be sensitive to. And that's why we have to get away from the black and white thinking, you know, about so many different topics in the world, almost everything can be on a spectrum. And that's why we, anytime we give too much credence to someone's teachings or a religious talk or a political speaker or a therapist or life coach, a therapist or life coach right? You know, we, we have to be careful not to hero worship. We have to be careful not to put people up on a pedestal. Um, and assume that 
just because what they're saying resonates with me doesn't mean it's true for everyone. Or that it's true always or will be true for me in five years or 10 years or 20 years. Right. So right now, it feels like information that resonates with me. I can learn from it and implement the parts of it that work for me. And I am always free to change my mind. Yep. Yep. I think that that is a really healthy way to go about that. Like you guys have heard me say so many times, I do not want to be the expert or guru in your life. I am only the expert and guru in my life. And that means that, you know, I can tell you my process and what's worked for me, hopefully to like get, you know, get wheels turning for you and help you figure out what works for you, give you some ideas of things to try on. But if they don't work, it's not because you did it wrong. It's because for whatever reason, it's just not working for you. And that's okay. Um, You know, feel free to grab ideas from other people and keep trying things on until you find what works for you. Because that is the, for me, that's the most important part of this podcast is if I can help you hear yourself, understand yourself and grow a relationship with yourself so that you can tap into that inner wisdom, that inner guidance that your emotions are providing for you, that your thoughts are providing for you, that you know your physiological responses are providing for you. And that'll navigate you through life way better than any other guru or authority outside of you will ever guide you. Um, I want to talk really quick. You were talking about um, communication a little bit ago, like being able to clearly communicate with people. And a lot of times I find that people want like the right words to say that comes up a lot for me. Like, how do I communicate my exit from the church to my parents in a way where they won't get angry? Or how do I express myself? Like, what are the words that I can say to someone? And I often am telling people it's not about the words, but I got this idea from you. So I'd like you to talk about what is clear communication about and how can people more clearly communicate in ways that are loving and kind. Well, again, so anytime we are fretting over, am I making the quote unquote right decision here? Or am I saying the quote unquote right words, you know, because that, that can be a big stumbling block. You know, I've, I've got this, you know, I, or, well, I've got this one couple in particular, but, but, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, have come through my office over the years. That's often what they're worried about. Am I making the right decision? Mm-hmm. Should I stay married? Should I get divorced? Should I quit my job? Should I date this person? You know, what's the quote unquote right choice? And and oftentimes people become frozen and they don't make any choice, which oddly enough is a choice in and of itself. But because they're so afraid of making the wrong choice, they don't make any choice at all. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and yeah, and, and it's no different here. You know, oftentimes we are told you know, or or at least led to believe that there are right words and phrases that we can say to someone else. And then when it doesn't land the way I want it to, then we throw up our hands and we feel like, well, crap, I guess I didn't say the right thing, you know? And so, the right way. Yeah. And so I guess I won't say anything at all, you know, and, mm-hmm. and not saying anything at all uh, is just as bad, if not worse. And so we have to I guess to answer your question, what are the right words and phrases? Again, that's it's it's partly determined by the relationship and who that person is. You know, I, um, you know, certain words are going to be more sensitive and and hurtful than than others to certain people. You know, if if uh, if I if I know there's a certain word that's extra sensitive to you, then I'll probably try to avoid saying it because it triggers you. But that doesn't mean 
you know, I, I need to live in fear all the time, tiptoeing around you, not wanting to offend you or hurt you, right? At the end of the day, we have to, again, there's that that medium somewhere in there where we're going to try and be sensitive to the other person. We're going to try and say, you know, the nicest, kindest things to each other, but we can't get hung up on, is it the exact right word that I'm looking for? Yeah. Let me see if I've got this right. So because a relationship is two independent people creating this third entity, this relationship together that involves give and take, it involves communication and active listening and non-judgment and all of these things. Let's say something I know like that I need to communicate something sensitive to you. I'm going to do my very best knowing what I know about you to express love and to express like my desire for connection with you as I'm communicating this thing to you, like help you understand my emotions, my reality as I'm communicating this thing to you. And let's say it still doesn't come out right. Let's say I say all the wrong words or I say words that are really triggering your responsibility in this place would be to have like to make the most generous assumption about what I'm trying to communicate Mm -hmm. To clarify through active listening, which means hearing what I'm saying and like, you know, trying to clarify what I'm actually saying so that both of us, like what we're striving for isn't the right words. We're striving for understanding where both of us feel seen and heard. Is that what I'm hearing? Like, it's not so much about the words. It's more about the process of both of us wanting to connect with the other person, both of us wanting to do right by the other person and to like to love the other person and feel loved by the other person. We're nurturing that much more than the issue. Is mm-hmm. that what I'm hearing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even though the issue might be you're leaving dirty socks on the floor and it's driving me crazy because I'm not your maid, whatever that is, instead of it becoming about the socks, it's about like I'm overwhelmed and tired and I really could use some help. This would be really helpful for me. And we're trying to understand that experience of overwhelm, that experience of feeling alone in doing housework or whatever, or feeling respected or feeling loved with this, this certain thing. Am I hearing that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say spot on. It's that, that, that's, that's where a lot of conflict spirals out of control as they're getting lost in the content you know because because in that example you know i could get defensive and fire back why you didn't you know look at your crap all over the floor you know you want me to get pick my socks off your socks up you know why don't you pick your stuff up you know and and then it becomes this tit for tat back and forth and and that's why most conflict resolution doesn't feel productive to people because you get lost in all the fluff yeah. And you're not actually focusing on what's actually happening and what's going on. So, yeah. The primary thing people want is to feel heard and seen and understood, mm-hmm. even if you don't know what in the world to do about it, because right. most of us want, want to fix things. Right. So if like the biggest thing we could do for a healthy interdependent relationship from what I'm hearing is to be present, to hold like, to learn how to hold our own emotions, because sometimes what I'm hearing is like, if somebody says, I really wish you would pick up your socks. I'm tired of picking them up. That might trigger shame in us. And mm-hmm. we might be like, well, look at your crap. Right. But if we're able to be like, Ooh, 
shame response. Okay. Mm -hmm. Even if that comes later where we're like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I got into shame and I handled that wrong. Like what I'm hearing is this is overwhelming for you. Mm -hmm. Like we can come back later and be like, I got into shame that stopped me from hearing. But what I'm hearing now, now that I've processed my emotion is me leaving my socks out makes you feel disrespected and makes you feel overwhelmed because it's one more thing for you to do. Mm -hmm. Did I hear that right? Mm -hmm. And like what we crave from each other is being heard and seen because like we were saying with that podcast with Glennon Doyle, when we're heard and seen, it's like we're real. Mm -hmm. We have substance. We, we are alive. Someone sees us. Right. Well, and, and and that little sequence there is, is a good one to kind of, dissect a little bit. So going back to the importance of doing our own work, how am I supposed to identify the shame if I'm not aware of it? Mm. How am I supposed to communicate to you that I'm feeling shame or embarrassed if I'm not aware of it? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or I haven't practiced communicating with you how I'm feeling about something. And so, so there we are back to doing our own work. Am I emotionally mature and healthy adult or am I still a child trapped in an adult's body? Mm-hmm. You know, because because a lot of us are. A yeah. lot of us are much younger mentally than we are uh, physically. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, and then when I communicate that to you, you know, you know, instead you're like, oh, sorry, you know, I blew up, you know, because you your socks were on the ground. What I should have said or what I wanted to communicate to you is, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. I don't always feel like you're helping me enough around the house and and so on and so forth. And, and so, so that's, that's a healthy, that's a healthy way to communicate what you're feeling and what's going on for you. Now, this is where the partner comes into play. Mm-hmm. How's that partner going to receive that message? Mm. Right. Cause if they haven't done their work, then that's going to feel like an attack. Yeah. And then they're going to feel the shame and, and, and embarrassment come up for them. And that's where they get defensive. And then they counterattack. Well, you didn't pick your crap up, you know, and then it's hard for people not to get sucked into that, that conflict cycle at that point. Yeah. And so a healthy adult hearing that message, they they might still feel a little attacked or unfairly accused or, uh, you know, uh, accused of something, but a healthy, mature adult will be able to kind of set that aside, you know, and, and, and keep the attention focused on their partner. And, and number one, try to be empathetic, try to, you know, paraphrase or reflect back to the other person, what they heard them say, like you just did there a second ago, you know? So I think what I'm hearing you say is blank. Is that correct? And, and allow that person to process what you just said, you know, does that resonate? Did you, does it seem like that person is hearing you and they're understanding you? Mm -hmm. And even if you're good at that, right. Even if you're good at paraphrasing and repeating back what you're hearing your partner say, then how am I on the validation front? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you have a partner who's like, okay, so hold on. So so you're stressed, you're overwhelmed. You're, you're, there's just a lot on your plate. Yeah, exactly. So in that moment, maybe they feel heard, maybe they feel understood, but is there validation to support that? Because then maybe they go, well, maybe you just need to take more off your plate. You know, you just, you need, you need to stop being so busy with work or your activities, or, well, maybe you should talk to your boss about that. You know, let them know you're just over, you know, and so now you're jumping into get the back in the fixer, right? You're jumping into the problem solving mode, or you're trying to get, you know, make them better. 
And the validation is, is where the empathy and the compassion comes in, right? Because then you're going, oh my gosh, yeah, that is a lot. And I'm so sorry you're going through that. And man, that's, that sucks, you know, and empathy is hard because sometimes it doesn't feel like you're actually doing anything productive. You're not fixing the problem. You're not finding a solution to it. And because so many of us operate on in that mindset on a day-to-day basis of fixing and finding solutions and so on and so forth, this idea that I don't have to find a solution. I just need to be emotionally present is such a foreign and difficult and uncomfortable concept for a lot of people. Well, because it has to do with uncertainty. We're not just right. putting in like nice tidy bow. Well, you just need to do this and right. nice tidy bow. And this is over. There you go. I'm glad to be of service to you. What it brings up for me is that um, skit. It's not about the nail. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. I'm going to link that in the, the show notes here, but it's this hilarious skit about a girl that has a nail sticking out of her forehead and she's talking about how all of her sweaters are snagged and stuff. And she's so frustrated. And I have this pressure in my head and it's just, it's always hurting. <laughs> it's throbbing. And, and, he, and he's like, you do have a nail. No, no, it's not about the nail. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is a lot of us, when we've been raised in codependent relationships, which many of us have who come from high demand religion, when we've been raised in those we get value from fixing other people's problems. And we think it's our responsibility to fix other people's problems instead of holding space, hearing and validating so that people can hear themselves so that they can feel heard and seen and understood so that they can fix their own problems. Because that's really where we're trying to get is we're trying to get to a place where people feel heard and seen and validated so that they can relax into their own problem-solving mode and fix their own problems. And occasionally, that will look like them asking you for your advice. And then you can give your advice because they asked for it. But so many of us hop into problem-solving. Oh, well, you just need to do this, which feels dismissive. First and foremost, people need to feel heard and seen and validated. And then if they're open to it, then the problem-solving can happen. But yeah. only if they're open to it, because it's their issue and they get to decide how and when they're going to take care of it. I actually remember uh, not the fight itself, but I remember, you know, in the aftermath of an argument or something, because you were probably saying something along those lines of, you know, I don't feel like you are hearing me or understand me. And because because I, I think I was probably trying to give advice or problem solve or something. And, and the statement that I remember that, that, you know, sticks out in my mind is you said something to the effect of Kevin, I'm smart and a competent woman. I can figure this out for myself. I just need you to listen or something, you know, something along along those lines. And I'm like, and, and for whatever reason that really resonated and stuck with me ever since and, and helping better understand you know, what you needed yeah. sometimes. And, and, and I guess if we were going to paint an ideal situation, you know, when our, when our partner or a friend or family member or whoever comes to us and is talking about how difficult or hard or stupid or overwhelming or scary or sad or something, you know, whatever that is for them, you know, we, we hear that phrase, putting the cart before the horse, mm-hmm. you know, in my mind, putting the cart before the horse means we're trying to solve or dismiss or minimize what they're feeling and experiencing, you know, that hence, you know, sometimes we'll say, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, you'll get over it. 
oh, you know, at least, you know, you're, you're paint that silver lining yeah, around the crap right. sandwich. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so the horse in, in that analogy is the, the empathy, the compassion, the, 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 you know, paraphrasing and repeating and, and helping the other person feel heard and, and understood and, and, and not weird or psycho for feeling and experiencing what they're feeling. And, and then, you know, the cart comes after the horse and the cart uh, might be, you know, problem solving or brainstorming together or, or something, but it may not, you yeah. know, it, it's, believe it or not, the horse is the fix in and of itself. Sometimes I just want to, you know, and sometimes we'll say that, you know, to the other, like, if I feel heard or, you know, understood by you, you know, that's the, we'll either say that or we'll think that or like, Oh, good. I I'm not crazy. Yeah. Oh, oh, I I thought I was crazy. Or I thought I was the only one, only one that felt that. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest reliefs we, we get in someone hearing and understanding me is okay. I'm not alone. I don't feel so crazy now. Yeah. Well, and I think what you just illustrated really well is the horse is creating safety. Mm -hmm. We have to create trust in order to resolve any kind of problem or conflict as a team. Mm -hmm. There needs, well, even with ourselves, we have to create trust with ourselves to be able to learn to listen to the wisdom coming up from us, right? So when I listen to you, when I like, when I actively listen to you, whenever I, you know, make sure that you feel heard and seen and understood by telling you what I heard and letting you like, let me know if, if I've got it right or not. And when I validate that what you're experiencing makes sense, you know, given the circumstances, given, you know, it makes sense. When I do that, I create a safe place. And from that safety, not only is the person who now feels safe and doesn't feel like they're crazy able to hear their own wisdom better because all those defenses of, oh, you're crazy, you're overreacting, you shouldn't feel this way, those get to relax and dissipate. And so I'm better able to hear my own wisdom. Now I also feel safe with you, the person I'm in relationship with. And I don't have all of those stories of I'm crazy, I'm overreacting, I'm being dramatic, whatever those things are, which allows me then to listen to any ideas you might have if I'm open to that without having those triggers that I'm somehow, you know, the shame triggers that come up that I'm somehow not enough or that I'm I'm too much um, that are getting in the way of problem solving. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes we are looking for the right words and phrases, but if, if you're looking for a phrase, you know, that helps communicate, I hear you, I understand you and you're not crazy. That's the, that's the phrase I often use more than any is that makes sense, you know, because, and, and it's funny because sometimes we, we balk at using a phrase like that because maybe it doesn't make sense to me. You know, and, and and that's the problem is most of the time we are approaching conflict and conversations like this from my own myopic experience where most things don't make sense, you know, because you're doing it differently or you're reacting differently. And, and, and so one of those ground rules that we always have to understand is that all emotion makes sense if we have the context to it. Yeah. Sometimes we don't have the context. Sometimes we'll never have the context. Sometimes the person doesn't know how to explain the context. 
but we have to remember that our emotions again are normal and we feel what we feel for a reason and and that's that's a good reminder to ourselves too because sometimes we're feeling something and we're like i don't know why i'm feeling this you know i've got this rich client you know and he's talking about how he's got all these things in his life and everything's going well why am i not happy you know because in his mind he has this this ideal or this 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 you know within the paradigm that he's operating under all of those things are in place that theoretically should make him happy and he's not and so so we always have to, that's where we have to get more and more curious with ourselves you know and and stop you know throw out the old rule sets that we've been operating under and figure out okay well if i'm feeling sad or if i'm feeling scared or if i'm feeling unhappy or if i'm feeling whatever lonely lonely uh i, I shouldn't be you know I, I this isn't right or this isn't you know whatever well we have to remember that again everything is going to make sense and so sometimes you know or if it doesn't make sense you know I, i'm not going to lie and just say oh that makes sense I'll genuinely be curious about, okay, help me understand that, you know? Yeah. So, and in fact, I do that all the time, right? Cause I'll, I'll have a client say, yeah. And then, you know, he, he came from, came home from work and I just wanted to punch him in the face, you know? And I'm like, okay, well help me understand that, you know, because, <laughs> because, because obviously it doesn't make sense to me right now. There's obviously some context missing here. You know, most people, when their spouse walks in the door, they don't want to just punch them in the face. So, so I need to understand what's going on here. Why did you want to punch them in the face? You know? And, and then of course, then I'll get more context and I'll, I'll get more understanding as to what was going on and where that person was coming from. And then it makes sense. And then it makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and then I can genuinely at that point say, ah, gotcha. That makes sense. You know, because it does make sense at that point. So it's, it's, but again, we have to be willing to explore that, uh, with the other person. So there we are back to my work. I need to be willing to withhold the judgment. I need to be willing to explore this with you. And then your work is you need to be willing to open up. And, and share explore that. it too. Right. Yeah. You, you need to be willing to open up and share and explore that with yourself, but also with someone else. Yeah. And of course, if there's a history of us being judgmental of the other person, then it's going to be harder to open up. And so that's where couples work comes in. And that's the us work of saying, hey, traditionally, I haven't felt comfortable opening up with you because you've judged me in the past. And then I'm going to take ownership of that <clears throat> and say, you're right. I do need to do better about that. Please share with me now. I want to hear you. I want to try to understand that. And, you know, in the process of you sharing, maybe I go, maybe I roll my eyes or maybe I go, well, that's stupid. And then there we are again. Now you need to let me know, hey, you just did it. You just rolled your eyes, you know, or you just, you know, scoffed at, you know, that really sensitive, you know, information I shared with you. And then I need to be willing to, again, take ownership of that. And, and so it's, it's this back and forth. There's no, there's no clean cut way to do that other than to be willing to get messy a little bit with, you know, what's happening for us in that moment. Yeah. There's a couple of things I want to bring up. First of all, is like a buy-in consent at the beginning, Mm -hmm. like letting people know I have something difficult I need to discuss with you. Do you think you could hold space and just hear me mm-hmm. and not like not be judgmental, but just get curious and hear me um, while I try this? This is really hard for me to do, you know, like 
being able to express to someone, I have something difficult to talk about. Are you in a place where you can set aside judgment and sit and listen to me? I think is very, very helpful letting Mm -hmm. people know. And I find it's also really helpful to give people a timeframe whenever we're beginning to practice that. Like, could I talk with you for 10 minutes? Um, A lot of times people are willing to sit with something uncomfortable for a few minutes. and, And then we have to stick with that. Like, instead of going like telling them 10 minutes and going on for an hour. But because a lot of us are worried that we're just going to be drug across the coals, I find that asking people for their consent, if they have space, we're, we're inviting them to have boundaries to say, you know, I can't right now. I'm stressed right now, but like maybe later, and you can continue to invite them to that conversation. Um, And then giving a time limit, I find really, really helps as well. Letting people know, I just need 10 minutes of your time to talk about one specific thing. Cause a lot of times we want to like dump it all like 20 years of problems on top of someone, but choosing one specific thing that we want to work on asking for a specific amount of time to talk about it. And then I also find that it's um, really helpful to like express gratitude for what people are willing to do for the, the steps forward that they like when you do call someone out, on like, if they're rolling their eyes or scoffing or whatever, you know, when we tell them like, you're doing it again, if they're able to like say, oh my gosh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm here again. Like really showing gratitude for that because it's a change of behavior and it shows how much they care, even though like they're, it's breaking down and stuff, showing how much you care that they're trying is really helpful. And then I think the last thing I want to bring up is it is always okay to take a break. Mm -hmm. As we are learning these new skills, like if you're coming from a codependent background, you're going to need breaks. Sometimes you're going to try to resolve conflict. Sometimes you're going to try to express boundaries. Sometimes you're going to try to communicate clearly what your experience is like. And it's not going to go well because it's going to trigger abandonment wounds, insecurity, shame, fear, anger in your partner or in the person you're having a relationship with. And it is okay to agree beforehand that if things get heated, you're going to take a break and that you'll come back to it when you're both calm again. Because sometimes we just need time to slow it down and figure out like, why was I triggered or what was going on so that we can communicate clearly again. And it's not like you just get one break. You can take breaks as often as you need, as long as you keep coming back and trying again, take breaks as much as you need to slow it down, understand yourself so you can come back and create this like healthy dialogue that creates interdependency. And one thing to add to taking breaks, remember that the goal of a break is to calm down. And in order to calm down, we have to focus on those things you just pointed out. Why am I feeling angry? What's underneath the anger? You are focusing on yourself. Mm -hmm. You are focusing on your emotions and 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 better understanding your emotions what a lot of people do when they take a break is they stew mm. and 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 their focus isn't on themselves it's on the other person and what everything they did wrong right and 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 all they're thinking about is how that person did this and then they said this and i can't believe that and he's such a jerk and you know and i want to punch him in the face and you know whatever so but they're stewing and so then when you come back from your so-called break you're even angrier you're just even more angry and you're ready to to throw punches again you know so so it, if that's happening, 
and you're not calming down, then that means you're probably focusing on the other person and their failings and their shortcomings. You're not actually focusing on your emotion, why you're feeling what you're feeling, what's underneath the anger and, and trying to better understand what's going on there. Yeah. You've gotten into judgment. I've done that before. Gotten into judgment because it feels safer there. You feel armored up there. You feel we get angry for a reason. Anger makes us feel powerful. It makes us feel um, less helpless. And so it makes sense that that could be a defense mechanism. But when you notice yourself do that, you've gotten back into judgment and out of curiosity. So, And this is why we've had the conflict we have over the years, because you're a judgmental, angry person. And this is why I'm a, a professional and, and uh, you need to. <laughs> this after you told people what an asshole you were earlier in our marriage. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let you portray yourself as an asshole now. It's fine. He's the asshole, not me. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, interdependence is something that I feel like is so worth the effort. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of rewriting patterns, especially if you have, you know, a history of being in unhealthy relationship patterns, which I feel like so many of us who come from high demand religion do. We were conditioned and indoctrinated to be that way. And so this takes practice. Like Kevin said, it's going to be messy. Um, you're you're going to mess up. I mean, we've been practicing this for over a decade now, and we still mess up. I still catch myself taking breaks and stewing sometimes instead of um, getting curious. And it's a little less likely to happen with Kevin because he's doing his work and I'm doing my work. And if one of us is going back to old patterns, we're more likely to catch ourselves. But I do catch myself doing this with other people who maybe haven't been working with themselves quite as long. Sometimes people I have a, a long history with of codependence and unhealthy patterns. And sometimes I'm not always the bigger person. So sometimes I get triggered and I go right back to being, you know, eight or 10 years old and operating from that same place. And is that pretty common for people to like get mm-hmm. triggered and go back to old patterns? Of course it is. Yeah. I mean, and, and we all do, right. You know, and, and, and that's maybe one thing to keep in mind is that as we grow and progress, that does not mean our old stuff is behind us and it's never going to come up again. That's probably one of the biggest sources of shame. I think for a lot of us is feeling like we've quote unquote fixed this and it's behind me and it's in the past and I'm, I'm over it. Right. Anytime we're using phrases like I'm over it, I'm it's in the past. I've fixed it. It's a, you know, all those, basically what we're saying is I don't ever want to be reminded of this again and if I am, then I'm I'm going to very quickly go into a place of shame because then that feels like evidence that I somehow haven't done my work or I somehow haven't grown or I haven't progressed. And, and it feels like it's evidence that I'm less of a person, right? Because yeah. that's ultimately what shame is trying to tell us is that we're somehow less of a person. And so we, we again, we have to be aware of these faults concepts that have been fed into our brains, you know, from the youngest of ages. And, and this is one of them that there's this, you know, this neat 
squeaky clean idea that we somehow graduate and move on from certain points of our lives. You know, think about and this is sometimes why adults feel lost because we grow up, you know, going from grade one to grade two to grade three to grade four. And I'm in, you know, and then we, we graduate from ninth grade. Now I'm in 10th grade and I graduate from this and I graduate from this and Hey, I'm a high school graduate. And I look at this beautiful little degree I have, and now I'm going on to college and Ooh, look, I graduated from college. Now I have a bachelor's degree and Ooh, now I have a master's. You know, we have all these milestones that, make us believe that there's this clean cutoff of knowing what I'm supposed to know or or now I've moved on or I've 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 grown, I've graduated. But you know, this is part of why we have imposter syndrome. Because because we we have these degrees and we have we've gone through these trainings and I've read these books and I've been married this long. And and so sometimes we we feel like an imposter. We feel like less of a person because I'm still struggling with this or it's still coming up, you know, years later. That and, childhood part of me is still insecure. Right. Yeah. And and so we so this is where the grace and compassion for ourselves and other people is critical because we have to realize that just because I'm triggered by certain things or because I'm still reminded of certain things or because I don't always keep my crap together or I still yell or I still lose my temper or I still whatever that's part of being human. That's yeah. normal. We all do it. The problem is most of us don't like to admit it. And so then we deflect, we, you know, put the attention back on you and how you're not doing your part. And and by the way, when we're talking about my work, your work and our work, please try not to weaponize that because we often have a tendency to weaponize that. Well, I'm doing my work. You're not doing your part, you know? And so I can't tell you how many people come into my room saying that their spouse sent them there because they have to get fixed before the marriage can get better. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to the last podcast episode where we're talking about relationships with emotionally immature people. Like all of us are emotionally immature to a certain extent, right? And in certain situations. And like there is a piece of radical acceptance there of what people can offer you right now in the moment and allowing like allowing people to be who they are and deciding how you want to interact with that. That is your work. So often we try to force or shame or guilt or fix other people without realizing like they get to be who they are and they get to decide Like we can invite them into more intimate places. Like we can tell them about our boundaries, but we cannot force people to be someone different. And that is an unhealthy idea that many of us think it's healthy because we come from high demand religion where we were taught that in order to be lovable, acceptable um, in heaven for God to accept us, that we needed to be different and that changing people is how we show love. And it's not, it's allowing people to be who they are and then deciding how we want to interact with that, or if we want to interact with that and allowing people just to be, to be human, to be human, to be messy, and to be imperfect. And again, it starts with the self-work when we can allow ourselves to be who we are Mm -hmm. and to accept ourselves. It's easier to extend that to someone else because we can't give other people what we don't have ourselves. So I feel like we could go on for a long time about this, but I feel like there's been a lot of information here. If you have questions, if something didn't make sense, if you need elaboration on something, please message me. I love hearing what isn't making sense, what isn't clicking, because it helps inform other podcasts that I put together. 
And I'd love to hear what really resonated for you. So please message me this week after you've listened to this podcast and either tell me what resonated with you, what didn't make sense to you that you need more elaboration on, or if there's a topic that you're dying to hear, I would love to hear about that. Sometimes I feel like I'm stuck over here in my little research bubble and over here, you know, with my recording equipment and it really does help me to get feedback from you and to hear what's resonating and what's not resonating and you know what you need more of. So please don't hesitate to do that this week. Also, one more plug for Mormon Palooza. We only have a couple more weeks until Mormon Palooza and the tickets from what I understand are going fast. So Kevin and I are both going to be there. We're going to be there for the fireside. I'm doing a 50 minute presentation um, about inner child work, which is going to help you emotionally connect with yourself. We're going to be going through an inner child exercise for 50 minutes. So I'd love to have you join me for that. There will be all kinds of cool speakers. If you're not interested in that, Lindsay Hansen Park, um, if you're from the ex-Mormon community, you know who she is from Year of Polygamy podcast. Um, she's going to be there doing a presentation. Sarah Urquhart from Mormons on Mushrooms podcast. She's the person that's put together this entire Mormon Palooza um, experience. And so they're going to be doing um, they're going to be doing a class as well. And so please go to mormonpalooza.com, look at the different things that are available and come join us. And not only is there going to be a fireside, there's a whole road show. And there's also going to be a disco theme dance that night. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Kevin and I will be there. We'll be partying with all of you after we do the inner child work and we can't wait. So go check that out and don't forget to message me and I'll see you next Sunday. Thanks, babe. You complete me, baby. <laughs> Actually, as one, one little note on that, instead of saying you complete me, uh, the phrase I like to use now is you enhance me. Oh, you enhance me. Yeah, because I am whole and happy and complete by myself. And together, we enhance one another's happiness. I love it. Well, on that mushy, gooey, wonderful note, I will see you next Sunday.